and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. As you can tell, uh, it's life group season, and uh, we are super excited about that. And today, we're going to talk about that. We're starting a whole new series called The Cry. Y'all know what it is? The Cry for Community, right? And I believe that what the Lord started telling me when I started this series and like studying for it, just this message, was that, uh, you know, there is a cry for community, but it's because we were created for community. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to refer back to that a few times throughout this whole message. And so, uh, but before we jump in and and get into the word, I want to pray, right? I want to pray. Prayer is good. And uh, prayer is good for help. I need help to listen and hear from the Holy Spirit, but you need help to listen and digest, right? And it's okay if you're quiet today, but I like feedback too. Either way, it's all good with me. Because if you're quiet, that just means you're chewing, right? It means you can't give me feedback. (laughs) So... But let's pray. Father, we love you so much. I thank you for your heart. I thank you for the truth, Lord. I thank you just like we sang about, Father. You are holy. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for the truth that, that we get to walk in daily. I thank you for the freedom that you've called us to and made us. You made us free. You made us holy. You made us righteous. You've redeemed us. And we get to walk in that, Father. It is a pure privilege and honor. And we just thank you, Father. I ask you for help today. Holy Spirit, help me speak exactly what you want me to say, exactly how you want me to say it. Um, Cut the fluff, (laughs) so to speak, Lord. Uh, And just let me get to the meat and potatoes of this, because I believe that you have a word that you want to give to your people today, Father. And I also just ask you to help everybody who's in here just to listen well, to listen not just with their ears, but with their heart. And I thank you, Father, that when your word goes in, it changes things in us. Your word absolutely changes lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I could just pray the whole time, but we got some other things to talk about. So the cry for community. There is a community. I'm sorry. There's a cry for community because we were created for community. And we'll get back to that in a second. But, you know, I I remember uh, when I was a kid. Growing up, it seems like when we're young, community just finds us a whole lot easier sometimes than when we're adults. And I I, want to put this screen up here. The Lord told me this too. Our lives are often shaped by the communities that we choose. Would you agree with that? They are. I mean, like you're, you're going to be the, the, the total sum of the people that you're hanging around with, right? Show me your, your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. Pastor always says that. There's a proverb that goes along with it. We're going to hit in just a second. But, but I can remember when I was like six years old, which is 37 years ago. I'm like doing the math when I'm studying. and I'm like, that's a long time ago. Uh, maybe not long for some of you, but man, that's a long time ago. But when I was six, we lived in Springfield, Massachusetts when I was a kid, and, and we moved from Springfield, Mass. to Tallahassee, Florida. You want to talk about drastic change. You know, you go from eight feet of snow in the winter to the beach. And so it was awesome as a kid. But I can remember moving in our house 
the first day we got there. And my mom called me outside to the porch and she said, hey, there's some people out here that, that want to meet you. And I'm just like, you know, six years old, nervous and kind of scared to meet people. And, you know, it was just all brand new, kind of overwhelmed as it was. Well, I walk outside and there's like six to eight kids standing out there. I remember it was like Mike, Chip, Andy, Krista. It sounds like a Toy Story line, but, but like literally that's, that, that was their names. And I still remember all these kids. And so for the next six years, guess what? That was my community. Now, I didn't go out and I went out and met them and said hello, but then I ran away. Because I was so scared. I was so intimidated by these kids who already had this community. But I ran away and I kind of went upstairs and I could hear my mom. I'll never forget my mom was saying, hey, you know, he'll be, he'll be out later. You know, and she was kind of making sure taking up for me. And what's interesting is even though I wasn't crying out loud for that community, on the inside, I needed that. I needed those friends. I needed this community of people. Now, I will say we got in a lot of trouble over the next six years as well in that community. I remember one of the stupidest things I ever did. You ever do anything stupid as a kid? I know y'all didn't. Y'all were all perfect. (laughs) But I remember as a kid, uh, one of the things we did one time, I stole. You ever stole anything? Uh, It's a kid, though, so it doesn't count, right? But I stole my stepdad's cigar. He smoked cigars and he had a big stash. And so I snagged one that he'd left in the ashtray. And I thought I was going to be the cool kid, you know. And so I'm like calling my buddies on the phone. I still remember some of their numbers. Isn't that crazy? From 37 years ago. That's the Holy Spirit, right? And, uh, but I can remember calling uh, Andy and being like, hey, dude, meet me in the vacant lot. Meet me in the empty lot next door. And in this neighborhood, there was like brand new houses going up. Well, there was a wooded lot between us and him. And we would always meet up out there and build forts and, you know, like hide in the ditches and stuff with pine cones and throw them at cars when they would come by. And yeah, we were those kids. And so terrorized the neighborhood. But I remember meeting him in this field not feel a vacant lot. And we were going to smoke this cigar and be cool and be like adults, you know? And uh, so we thought, so we were out there coughing and hacking up lungs, you know, and trying to be cool. Wasn't as cool as we thought. And then I heard this voice say, dinner's ready. It was my mom. And my mom was literally yelling off the front porch. You couldn't see us because it was in the woods, but I could hear my mom's voice yelling for me to come back in. And I'm panicked now because I smell like smoke. And so we just throw the cigar down and just like stomp it out. And I take off running at home. And Andy left and went to his house. So we're at home. I ran to the bathroom, washing my mouth out, you know, like trying to change clothes because I don't want to get in trouble for stealing the cigar. And I go and, and eat dinner. And while we're eating dinner, I start thinking I heard something. And I was right. I heard sirens. And I heard a fire truck. And so I'm like looking outside, panicked. You want to talk about freaking out? We burnt the whole lot down. No joke. And so I'm telling my mom about this the other day, just the other day. I I forgot that she didn't know. Because I never said anything, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, I have no idea. And so we had a good laugh. And my stepdad's on speakerphone in the background. I didn't know she was on speakerphone. He's like, you owe me a cigar. He's like, you stole my cigars. Anyway, community. One more stupid thing I did as a kid. And then we'll get into it. But I had this other friend. He lived in the neighborhood next to us. Now, I had, I had a cool group in my neighborhood But I rode the bus with this other kid, and I kind of started venturing out into other communities that were not the same as my community that was safe and home, right? 
And so I started hanging out with this other guy, and I remember spending the night over at his house, and he was going through a lot of tough stuff, tough kid, going through a lot of hard stuff at home, that's all we'll say. And so I got to see a lot of bad stuff that I shouldn't have seen, just fighting and all kinds of stuff between his parents that were going through a bad divorce, and, and he needed me at the community at that time. But one night, we thought his parents were out. His parents were never home, so we stayed over there all the time. And uh, I can remember, everybody remember prank calls? We don't have landlines anymore, so it's kind of hard to do prank calls. This was before caller ID. This was before all of that stuff, right? And so we would do prank calls and get the phone book out and just flip to a number and dial it and let them have it. You know, just like do whatever, you know. We're kids, okay? Quit judging me. I see your eyes. But we had fun. We thought it was hilarious to call somebody and just tell them off, you know, and then hang up and we'd laugh. And so the way we played this game was I'd open the phone book up and I would dial a number and he'd have the phone. He wouldn't see the number I was dialing, you know, and so he would just answer some random number. We'd call the tire shop or we'd call, I don't know, anything. So we'd go back and forth doing this. Well, it was my turn. And so I'm ready. You know, I got this whole line I'm going to say when they answer the phone. I'm just going to let them have it. And the next thing, somebody says, hello, and I just, I didn't even hear him say hello. I just let him have it. The next voice I heard on that line was my mom. <laughs> she said, Luke? And it's that tone, you know what I mean? It's like, and you just freeze. And, you know, I had hair back then, so my hair stood up. <laughs> that was a long bike ride to the house. Because I let my mom have it and didn't even know on the phone. All of this was done in, in a community. And, and like I said, our lives, I believe, are often shaped by the communities that we choose. And I feel like as we get older, like I said, it's, it's not about it, it, the communities when we're young, they tend to just choose us. But as we get older, we have to fight for those communities. You can put up that next screen about fighting. Not that one. We'll come back to that in a second. That's a good one too. If you don't fight for the right community, the enemy will fight to get you in the wrong one every time. You've got to fight. It's worth fighting for. And a lot of times just not fighting gets you in the wrong one by default. You just like let your environment just determine your community, but you don't have to. You're adults. We're all adults here. You can choose this. You can go pick. You can get out of the one you're in and find a better one. But a lot of times it's, it's a comfort thing, right? We've got to take a step of faith and get out of this comfort zone and be willing to trust God that there is something better. Let's look at Proverbs. If you brought your Bible today, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. I love this verse, but, but there's so much truth to it. It says, become wise by walking with the wise. And I hang out, it says, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. This is in the message. And when I read it, I feel like the Lord told me, and I'm going to read this because I don't want to mess it up. We get tricked out of walking with the wise because we think we have to be already wise to walk with them. And we choose to walk with the foolish because we don't feel worthy of the wise. Have you ever been around a group of people that just seem smarter than you? And it kind of makes you feel like unworthy? Kind of like, oh, I feel less. That's the enemy telling you that you can't be wise. But the very thing we need to do is get around the wise so that we can become wise. But you know what it takes to do that? Humility. 
<laughs> you have to get in the presence of God and be like, Lord, I need help. You ask him for help. It's an act of humility. And he's going to probably show you some wise people to go get around. Right. He'll get you. He'll give you wisdom out of his word, but he'll also give you wisdom and help through other people. There's people all over the place that are smarter than you. Did you know that? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I promise there's people all over the world that are that are smarter and stronger, right? It doesn't mean you're not strong and wise in something, but there's always somebody better. There's always something to grow. There's always something to be learned. When I lived um, in, in North Mississippi, I found myself in the wrong community. And some of you guys may be there today. Some of you guys may be right in the middle of the wrong community. And you know it, but you can't get out. Well, I I found myself in the wrong community doing a bunch of wrong things and bad stuff. And my life was headed in a horrible direction. And I got on my knees one night, kind of, and, you know, proverbially in my heart. And I said, Lord, I just need help. Can you help me get out of this? And a few weeks later, uh, I found out they were building a plant at Nissan in Canton, Mississippi. And, And so a few months later, I moved down here, got away from everything, moved away from everybody and everything I ever knew. Took a step of faith and started working at Nissan, September 25th, 2003. I walked in there and thought, I'm going to retire here. And I heard the Lord say, no, it's just going to be a stepping stone. Uh, I got more for you. And so I told that voice, whatever that was, I'm like, you're crazy. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And so that then began the journey uh, to where I am right now. I met my wife a few weeks later in that journey in 2003. In 2004, we started coming to this church. And my whole community shifted. But what was interesting to me is while I was at Nissan, like I had gotten away from all that other community, done the best I could to get away from that. And wouldn't you know it, the first people I start hanging out with at Nissan were just like the people I was in my last community. Even though I'd gotten away from it, the devil didn't leave. (laughs) The devil still wanted me to be around those same kind of people. And I'm not calling those people I was around fools, but they were foolish, okay? (laughs) You know what I mean? And I was still doing the same foolish things because I didn't feel worthy of being wise. Why? Because I didn't know who I was in Christ at all. He makes you worthy, makes you holy, and he makes you redeemed. And this is not something you have to do. All you have to do is say yes to it. It's a beautiful thing. I didn't know that at the time. I was still trying to earn it, still trying to work hard to get it. And because of it, I wasn't worthy. It's not something you can earn or work for. You just take it and receive it. I started getting around the wrong people again. But like I said, I met my wife. I met Kelly. And I got around her family. And her family just happened to go to this little church on Highway 18 in South Jackson called Word of Life. They started bringing me here. I started coming with them. And I started seeing something that I'd never seen before in my life. I started seeing a community that operated in peace. It operated in a power I'd never seen before. I'd never seen the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. I'd never seen protection like that. Every time I'd come to Word of Life, I felt those three things. I felt power, and not in 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 an abusive way, but like just a strong power of the presence of God, where people were being healed and set free and delivered every single week. I'd never seen anything like that. And I began to to get around people who, who were peaceful all the time, but their lives seemed to be in a mess. But yet they were still peaceful. They still had joy. This community was the community I had been looking for for a long time. And one of the things I started doing when I got there, I got plugged in, not just sitting in these seats where you are right now, but I got, I got plugged into another group. I got plugged into a different community within that one to take it another level deeper. 
but I was still terrified. It was, this was that group of wise people that I needed to be walking with, but I wasn't. And so I would see them and it was these guys and they called themselves ushers. They used to wear these blue blazers and white shirts and yellow ties, man. They had uniforms. Anybody remember the uniforms, the usher uniforms on the highway 18? Some of you guys were even back there. And somebody walked up to me one day and said, man, you need to get on the usher team. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. You know, I was scared, still feeling unworthy, still feeling like a fool. And they were like, you don't have to have it all together. Just get on the team. Just get in the herd. There's protection in numbers. There's protection in groups. And so I went to this little closet that they told me to go to. It was literally an usher closet (laughs) where they kept all those jackets. And we started praying one morning before service. And I'm going to tell you, I had never seen anything like that before. I'd never been around a group of men that prayed like that. I'd never been around a group of men that would shed tears in front of other men for like no reason. I mean, we're just praying and talking to God. Why are y'all all crying? What's the deal? <laughs> Boy, did I have a lot to learn. I was not free, but because I got around free people, I am free now. Amen. But what I began doing, you can pull up the next screen. I began walking with the wise, knowing that I wasn't. I began walking with the wise, knowing that I wasn't wise. That goes back to this humility thing. I had to humble myself. And in the hallway, we'd break that huddle. I'd walk down the hall and with these guys, and, and, and they knew. It's like they just knew somehow my life was not where it needed to be. And they would stop me in the hall and, and say, hey, how's it going? How's work going? And they would just start to pry and, and ask questions. And before I knew it, I'd have, I'd be, I was the one crying in the hallway with this person. And just having these encounters with Jesus like I'd I'd heard about and read about and seen, but didn't think I was worthy of. But I got around these wise men who actually knew how to be a man. And were not ashamed of emotion and not scared of emotion, but understood that Jesus gave that to them as a gift to share. It started to change my life. Let's look over in, because there is a cry for community because we are created for community. Let's look over in the chapter, I'm sorry, book of John chapter 13. Now, I love reading scriptures that we've all heard a thousand times, and then all of a sudden you get something new out of it. You ever seen that happen before? The word of God is, is absolute. It is truth. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not change, but it will unfold. Like, do you see this handkerchief? This handkerchief is a handkerchief. Would anybody disagree with me? <laughs> right? It's a hanky, right? Today, yesterday, tomorrow, it's going to be a hanky. But guess what? If I just look at that handkerchief and think, well, that's a handkerchief. There's no more to learn about that. But what if, what if you took this handkerchief and unfolded it? Now it looks different. And then you take it and you unfold it again. It's like, it's deeper. There's layers and there's levels. The word of God is the same way. It's not just one thing. It is absolute, but it unfolds and tells stories and gives revelation that you've never seen before. But you've got to get in this thing. I'm telling you, get in here and you ask God to teach you. He's going to show you stuff. He's going to start unfolding things. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says this, that you, now pay attention, you love one another. Huge. Even as I have loved you, that you also, again, love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. All, them, all men will know that you're, that you're saved if you love, that if you have love for one another. 
So I kept hearing this phrase, one another, one another. And when you read the word, sometimes he'll highlight, the Lord will highlight different things. He'll make things pop off the screen. And you got to pay attention to that. Sometimes when you're just reading through the word, one word may jump out a little bit. And I'm not saying like, you know, you may see it jump off the page, but just something about that word just kind of resonates inside. That's attention. You need to pay attention to that tension. Say, okay, Lord, how do I dig deeper in this? Well, a lot of times if you take one word and look up the Greek definition or the Hebrew definition, and I didn't go to Bible school, y'all. I had to learn all this the hard way, okay? So it just amazes me of how much is in here. You look up this word, this phrase, one another, right, in the Greek. It's a completely different translation. It means to reciprocate, to reciprocate. You ever seen one of those old saws, one of those huge saws with a wooden handle on it? It's got one person on this end, one person on this end, and they go back and forth with that. That's reciprocating. That's a reciprocating saw. But that thing doesn't work well without two people. Like if I was pulling that saw and pushing that saw, I need you on the other end of it helping me out because it's heavy. I'm not designed to do that by myself. This is what one another actually means. It means to reciprocate, right? But what the word in front of that was love. And the Lord started dealing with me. We're going to get into that in just a second. But like how love was not created for just one. It was created for one another, which, which equals community, right? One another, love, creating, like using the love that God's given us for what he's given it for. Using this love and walking out in this, which is our purpose and our calling is to love one another. It gives us a, not even a calling or purpose, but a commandment. To love one another. And, and I want to propose today that you can't really truly walk in this love and activate it outside of community. I'm telling you, it's a big statement, but, but you can't do this by yourself. It's not made to work by itself. Let's look at another one and I'll, I'll prove it even more. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Paul's teaching here and he's explaining how now that you're saved, uh, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. What's our confession of our hope? That we believe in Jesus and we believe he died for us. This is our salvation, right? Without wavering, not, not doubting are we saved or not. No, we're saved now. I'm saved. So from this point forward, he knew, he says, for he who, um, he who promised is faithful. Keep going. And let us consider, there's that word again. Here's that phrase, one another. It's the same word in the Greek. It means reciprocal. Right. He's saying once you get saved, like it's not that's not it. You get saved. You meet Jesus. You have an encounter with him. But now you need a community in your life that believes just like you do. You have to have these people around you. Why? It says in order to stir up that love. It's proof. Stir up that love and good works. We'll keep going. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Again, it's talking about being in community, getting around people that believe in Jesus, as is the manner of some. But this is my favorite part, but exhorting or you could say encouraging again, one another back and forth. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's talking about the last days, which we are in now. But it's basically saying you got to get in a community. Once you get saved, you got to get around the right people to encourage you because the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And if you're alone by yourself, you're fair game. He can tell you anything he wants to tell you. And there's nobody else to tell you otherwise. But if you're in a community of people, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but if you're in a community of people who love Jesus and are spending time with him, who are wiser than you are, they can see you over in the corner with your head down in shame and guilt and come over and be like, what's your, stop. 
Jesus loves you. He made you whole. He made you worthy. He made you righteous. Why are you feeling guilty? Just repent and move on, man. I had people in my life like that. I know that's strong. You might not, you might not talk to everybody like that. But like I need somebody to tell me that. Because if I'm having a little pity party and feeling sorry for myself, I need somebody to be able to come in my life and be like, stop. What are you doing, man? You're better than this. You're wiser. You're smarter than this. You've been hanging out with wise people. You haven't learned yet. God loves you. He doesn't want you in shame or guilt. That's where I literally lived for the first five or six years when I first started coming to this church. I was saved. I had a radical encounter with Jesus. I I loved him now. But I had to get around people in a community, in a group that were going to help encourage me and exhort me. Just like this, exhorting one another. I read this quote the other day, and I, I feel like it's worthy of sharing. It says, forsaking fellowship, not having fellowship, being out of community, is a sure way to give place to discouragement. Kind of sounds like a lot of people in the world right now. Just discouraged. You find people alone, by themselves, outside of community. This discouragement festers where God's people are not encouraging one another. Y'all, we got to be encouragers. You ever get around somebody and they just like negative, negative Nancy all the time? Sorry if your name's Nancy. But negative Nancy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh gosh, why? No. I don't want to be around that. But what I do, if I hear that, I'll just go and try to like pour into them. But a lot of times it's so much better if you're going to be around people who are just uplifting and encouraging, right? It's pretty simple. I saw one more quote and it's going to lead us to 1 Corinthians. Uh, It says, now this blew my mind. It says, faith and hope can be practiced on a desert island alone. But the exercise of love is only possible in community. Now, when I read that, um, the Lord said, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Read love and read it as if nobody was there. (laughs) So I was like, okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians (laughs) chapter 13. So you can see it. Whoa, that's not it. I'll read it off of here. That's all good. Love is patient. Well, if they ain't nobody to be patient with, what you need love for? I mean, that's what the Lord told me. He said, there's nobody there to make you impatient. You don't need patience. You don't even need that love. <laughs> love is kind. You ever had somebody you just like, oh, man, I got to be kind to this person, right? You need this love to help you be kind. You need somebody else to make you realize that you need this love. It's not jealous. Well, if there ain't nobody there, who are you going to be jealous of? Nobody, right? You don't need this love to help you not be jealous of somebody. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. It's not unbecomingly. Uh, it doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't take in, into account wrong suffered. Suffered by who? If there's nobody else there, if you're all by yourself, what do you need this love for? This love was designed for community. I'm telling you, it's because we were created for community. When God created Adam, he was like, ah, I need somebody to enjoy all this. He had created all this stuff. It was beautiful. But he needed somebody to enjoy it. He wanted somebody to enjoy it with and to fellowship with. So he created Adam. And even after he created Adam, he was like, it's not good that you're alone. Let me create Eve. You need somebody else to to enjoy this with too. This love was so good. He just wanted to keep giving it and keep giving it and create people to give it and give it and give it. And now we're all sitting here talking because God created us for community. 
If you didn't know it, you're actually in a community right now. It's a good one, too. It's safe. It does all kinds of things that you don't even know are happening right now. (laughs) But I believe one of the biggest dangers, and and I want to add to the quote that I said earlier, if you don't fight for the right community, the enemy will fight to get you in the wrong one, or he'll fight to get you in no one. He'll, he'll either get you in the wrong community. If he can't get you around the wrong people, he'll just get you out of community altogether and get you by yourself. Now, I, I discovered and saw this verse years ago, and it's been one of my favorite verses that I go to constantly uh, because I see people alone all the time. Most of the time when people come to me and they're depressed or they're anxious or they're fearful and they're just kind of caught up in that cycle of shame and guilt, Nobody is around them to tell them the other, like the otherwise, right? Nobody's around them to tell them that they're alone. I'm sorry. Nobody's around them to tell them that they're wrong. Nobody's around them to tell them that they're listening to a lie. And the devil loves it when you're by yourself. He loves it for you to just be in your head all the time because that's where he fights you. We're a three-part being. I promise. I say this all the time and I don't want to teach on it. But we are a spirit, we have a body. I'm sorry, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Right? God talks to our spirit. That's who we are, a heart, right? That's who we are. But the enemy tries to communicate to us through our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. This is your thinker, right? Your choice maker. And so if he can get you alone up here, then he can tell you whatever he wants to tell you, and there's nobody else to tell you otherwise. And that's when that cycle happens, right? That's when that anxiety comes. That's when depression comes. That's when all these things start to pile up because you won't tell anybody what you're going through. You won't have a conversation because now the fear has built. What are they going to think about me? It goes back to the, to the wise and the fool. A lot of the times, like I said, we, we also are getting so much pride and fear of telling somebody what we're going through. We feel like, well, I can't tell anybody that because they think I'm this way and I've got to hold this standard. It's like, man, good luck with that. That is an exhausting life. (laughs) I lived it. And now it's like, no, I I just go ask for help. If I'm struggling with something, I got friends. I have not a whole lot of friends, right? You don't want a thousand friends, but you want the right friends. You want that right community that you can go to and text and be like, man, I'm struggling right now. I am like really anxious. Will you pray for me? So simple. And then a lot of times in that prayer, they're going to say something that you specifically needed to hear because they're full of the Holy Spirit who knows exactly how to encourage you with a word. Not not just like, you know, hype, but like a specific word that God can speak through you. Yeah, you. (laughs) First Peter five. Oh, I love this verse. I love how it starts with humility. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Just admit you need help, right? It's not a bad thing. Why does this, this culture in the West think that it's such a bad thing to ask for help? Man, I remember as a kid, like, you know, we always talked about how men don't stop and ask for directions for anything. Man, I was the first one to stop and ask for directions. And this was back in the day where you could just stop, pull over and go up to somebody's house and like knock on the door and be like, I'm lost. How do I get back to the highway? You know, and and it was all like, you know, association, go to the red sign by the blue barn and, you know, take left. Y'all remember the directions when people actually gave directions? Yeah, (laughs) I miss that. I miss days before cell phones. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride. (laughs) It's huge. Just simply ask for help so that God may exalt you 
to a place of honor in his service. This is called grace. He can give you grace. When you humble yourself, ask for help, grace is the reward immediately. God is such a rewarder. At the appropriate time. Okay, keep going. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. We'll keep going. Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. Here's that verse I quoted earlier. The enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not one, but he's like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted and established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters all over the world, all around the world. You don't suffer alone. And when I used to read this and I was like, I wonder why Peter wrote this. Cause he knew you were going to feel alone at times. He knew you were going to feel like at times in your life that you were the only one who's ever dealt with the problem you're dealing with. That's the trick of the enemy. And he'll tell you that he'll get in your head and be like, well, your problem is big. Okay, it's bigger than God. It's bigger than anybody can figure out. And if you tell somebody about it, they're going to shame you and they're going to do all this kind of stuff because that's the way the world works. But if you've got a community of believers, if you're in a a life group that you can sit down and actually talk to somebody with or about that are believers in Jesus and they're all about encouraging you, you get around the right community and that that is eliminated. The enemy's voice just dissolves at the truth. But you got to get around people who are full of the truth. And not the world. I'm not looking for perfection and neither is God. But I feel like he's looking for just that humility, that one humble act of saying, Lord, I, I could use some help. And when you do that and when you, you say that, when you ask for that, he immediately comes in and gives you all the help you could ever want. All the help you could ever imagine. But sometimes, sometimes it comes through sitting down and reading the word, which is amazing. That's his voice. But it could also come through somebody else's voice that he's using in your life. And he's just wanting to get your faith and get you to step out and take a shot and be like, you know what? I'm going to get in a group. It's so uncomfortable for me. I, I asked the Lord a, a few weeks ago, I'm like, Lord, what, what kind of a group do you want me to lead this, this semester and this, this you know, fall coming up? And he said, what would you want to go to? What kind of a group would you want to be a part of? And I said, well, in this season of my life, I've been praying probably more than I ever have ever. <laughs> Just like having prayer meetings and just times of prayer and then praying on my own. And I need it. It's just it's a busy season. And so I need to pray a whole lot more. And I want to be efficient at praying. I want to be effective. Right. I want to when I pray, I want it to work. I don't want to waste time. And so I want to be better at that. But specifically, I want to be better and awesome and master praying for my wife. I just think that's where it's got to start. Right. For for husbands, we got to know how to pray for our wives. And so he said, why don't you do a group about that? The power of a praying husband. I'm like, all right, I can do that. <laughs> so I'm like, how many people are going to come, Lord? It doesn't sound like a real popular life group. You know, it's not like basketball or fun. And he was like, the right people will come. And I feel like some of you out there today, maybe you've been in groups before and you've got an idea to lead a group. But you're feeling like, I don't know who would come. Who cares? Sign up and let God do the rest. And also, there's some of you who have never been in a life group. Maybe it's your first time here today, and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Life groups are just a place where you can find community and relationship. That's all it is. But good, right community and right relationship. Not perfect, 
but right. I wrote this down too, and we'll kind of end with this. When you're in the right community, I believe you find protection, power, peace, and purpose. Protection, because there's, there's protection in numbers, right? It's like when, when a wolf hunts a herd, like, a, you know, a herd of cattle or something like that. It doesn't just go take one out of the herd. It waits for one to get away from the herd by itself alone. They're pretty smart. But, but when you're in a group and you stay in that group, you stay connected. Like when I joined the usher team back in the day, that, we didn't have life groups back then. It was my life group. I just joined the herd, And because I was a part of this group and because I was in this group, there was so much stuff I could get from it. Number one was protection. Number two is power. I believe when you get around these groups and you get in a group, you're going to learn about real power and authority. You're going to understand. And and some of these groups may be super fun groups, but you'd be surprised at some of these groups that are just based on food or, you know, a cooking group or whatever it is. It may not seem like it's super spiritual, but you get in those groups and God's in that group already. He's just waiting for you to get there. And you have these conversations that just blow your mind. You end up staying three hours talking to somebody just because God's so good. I see it happen all the time, but it's going to be a, a step of faith. You're going to have to step out and say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I know I need help. I know I need to get around people who are wiser than I am in this, in this situation or whatever it is. And he'll meet you right there. You'll find protection, power, peace, and purpose because the presence of God is there. Jesus commanded us to love one another and it must be done in community. Why? Because we are created for community. Before you leave today, I want to encourage you. We've got these cards. They're going to put a a QR code on the screen right now. But it's a card just like this. You probably saw it when you came in in the foyer. You can either take that card home and scan it when you get there until you can really look at all the groups because there's a ton of groups available and take your time and kind of go through them. There's like a whole website for it. And there's a description on there and it shows you exactly what the group's going to be, when it meets and all that kind of stuff. You can even, I think, search by like times of the week and days and it's just super easy to find a group. But it's up to you to do it because you got to choose your community and you have to fight for it. But this is a community worth fighting for. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you before we leave and then we're going to worship together. Well, Father, we just love you so much. I thank you, Lord, for your heart. For everybody who's here, I thank you, Lord, that it's no coincidence that the people who are here are here today. I, don't, I just kind of hear this word, like, I hear the word beginning. It's something, it's a beginning for you, for some of you. Uh, something that's starting, and this is a great opportunity because it is the beginning of the season. And I sense that word beginning is a big deal for some of you because you don't like to start in the middle. I hear that in my heart. You don't like to start if you can't start at the beginning. I get it. But now's your opportunity. Now's your chance to start at the beginning and not miss a week. You can go all the way through. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, for everybody who's here making a decision to get in a group. It's not cliche. It's not just something we do for fun. No, it's something we do to grow. It's something we do to come to know you more, Father. It's something that that we do to, to help others. It's something we do to exercise this love that you've given us with one another. And so, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you're helping us in everything that we do, helping us take that step, helping us trust you right now. 
And Father, we love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.